Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. I'm so honored to be here. Um, I've just met some of the pastoral team here. They've introduced themselves. Thanks for your hospitality. And you know, this is my first time actually ministering in New York City. So I'm like, I'm really honored. I've come here, of course, as a tourist and visited. I've ministered a ton in Jersey. I've been around New York City ministering, but never in the city. So this is really, uh, it's, a, it's an honor. And I want you to know, um, we stirred some stuff up last night because I had some visitors uh, try, trying to, uh, I hit some warfare last night that I have not hit in the nation of America. Isn't that interesting? Um, so I know I'm in the right place because we stirred some stuff up and people got free and people's identities uh, got solidified, but we're not done because every time we gather, God moves. And so I, I, felt, the, I felt the pushback, if, if I could do that, but I, I don't want to highlight the pushback. I want to highlight what God's doing. And that means God's, God's in the city and God's establishing his kingdom and who he is. And so I want you to know, Life Church, you were, you were literally on assignment in the middle of the city. And I want to thank Megan for organizing the singles gathering last night, right? It's awesome to have people that are passionate about the singles uh, because it is the largest people group in the church today and the least addressed group in the church today. And so I love that you just have a heart for that and to really bring that message of thriving and really walking in your God identity. Okay, I I know I got 20 minutes with you this morning. Um, I want to highlight I brought my team with me this time. And Sean, my husband, he sends his love. He's in Georgia ministering this morning. So the Smiths split up, but we got a one-two punch in the kingdom, right? Um, um, but I have the incredible Natalia right here, and then I have Lillian. If you two can stand, they're our team. We, we get the privilege of running with these two powerhouses. Uh, they're powerhouses in their own right, and so when I was invited to New York, I was like, girls trip for the kingdom. So uh, we're doing it, so it's super fun. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John 11 this morning. I want to dive into what I believe is a word for this house, but I am actually going to preach two different services, at least in this point, unless Holy Spirit instructs me differently. I'm going to preach two different services, uh, sermons between first and second service, because I feel like there's two portions the Lord wants to release. So this is portion number one, if that's okay. This could be an entree. John 11 begins in verse one. I'm going to give you the ESPN highlight reel. All the men said amen, right? So it's too long of a text for me, for me to read it in its entirety, but I want to read portions of it so you catch the essence of what I believe the Lord wants to release. It reads, and I'm reading the New Living Translation specifically, it says, John 11 verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling them, Lord, your dear friend is very sick but when Jesus heard about it he said Lazarus sickness will not someone say not end in death no it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory someone say glory from this so although Jesus loved Mary Martha and Lazarus he stayed where he was for two days I want you to say two days okay skip ahead to verse 17 Verse 17 then reads, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Someone say four days. 
Verse 19, we're skipping ahead. Remember, ESPN highlight reel right here. Many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss, and when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, believes in me, will never ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she, she told him, I've always believed you're the Messiah the Son of God, the one who's coming to the world from God. And then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside. Friends, we're almost there. Stick with me. I, there's a purpose to what we're releasing this morning. I know. I'm really reading a lot of texts, but there's nothing better than the Word of God. Amen? Okay. She returned to Mary. Verse 28. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher's here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to Jesus. Verse 32. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she, she fell at his feet and said, like Martha, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw Mary weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. And they told him, Lord, come and see. Last two verses, verse 43. Then the Lord shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Now, that is a power-packed portion of Scripture. Can I get an amen? I could spend a lot of time unpacking multiple messages and teachings just out of what we read and we gave you the consolidated version. But the message that I believe the Lord wants to highlight for you as a house of God in the middle of New York City is to declare over you as a people group and those that God has gathered and, the, and those that God is still gathering to be a part of this church community is because you have resurrection power. You are called to raise the dead. Yes, I believe in the natural because if the word, God, word of God says it's available, then I want to walk in it. I know some of you are absolutely in, in agreement with that. But I'm also talking about those that are, that, those that are walking in the deadness of their identity. Those that are not walking in the fullness of God who has called, who's called them to be. And so I want you to understand, you walk in the resurrection power of the identity over the people of this city. The identity over this land. You could be living in any place, but I believe the Lord says, where our feet tread, we bring the kingdom of God. And I want to declare over you that wherever your feet walk, you're going to have resurrection power. Now, as we read the text, something unusual happened. Mary and Martha knew Jesus loved them. How did they know that? Because they had fellowship with them. There was a covenant relationship between Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and, Je and Jesus. You know, and some people would say, that was my homie. Those are, those are my besties. Whatever your term is, they, they were like his people. And so when there was a dire situation and a crisis, they did and they modeled what all of us should do, call on Jesus. But Jesus responded in a way that was unexpected in a crisis, right? And the way that he responded was this. He did not drop everything and run to the crisis as they expected him to do. What did he do? He heard the report of the father. 
And the father said, this crisis, this sickness, this illness, this situation will not be until Lazarus' death. Rather, this will be used for my glory so that everyone may know you are the son of God. So God had a different story that he was writing than what it looked like on the surface. I felt like the Lord wanted me to prophesy to you this morning what things look like in the natural. God is writing a deeper, bigger story, what you know, cinematography calls the meta-narrative, the larger story. So many times we get focused on that little tiny narrative, but it has a very small perspective or vision of what's actually happening. And I want to declare over you that God is at work even when you... When you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, and even when it doesn't look like it, I want to declare to you, God is on the move. So I want you to know you're here with purpose. You're not here by accident, but you have an assignment. It's called resurrection power. But I also want to declare over you, just like with Mary and Martha, they had to walk through what seemed like a contradiction. So they call on Jesus in the crisis. They expect Jesus to come running because why? They had seen healing. They had seen Jesus pray for the sick, and the sick got healed. So they knew that if they could just get Jesus to their sick brother, they had enough faith to believe for the breakthrough for that. But what they didn't expect is when the breath left Lazarus' body, everyone's faith left as well. What if God is trying to do something in New York City you've never seen before? And it looks like some things have died. It looks like some things have gone away. It looks like some things have gotten dormant. You're like, hold up, God. When we used to pray and fast, you used to show up in this way. But what if God says, you're in a brand new era. I'm actually going to do things like I've never done them before. Because guess what? Just like in this story, he wasn't trying to repeat what he's already done. They were all believing for healing, but God was going to show them he's resurrection power. They didn't even know it was on the menu. They didn't even know it was possible. I want to declare over you, God is about to do things, friends. We don't even know it's on the menu. We don't even know it's possible. So I don't want you to take the bait of grief or disappointment, disillusionment. I want you to recognize God is at work in the city of New York City. Where the enemies tried to come in and rob what's been established, you, our church here, declared prophetically to be life in the middle of what feels like a graveyard probably at times. Come on, I minister. We're in the San Francisco Bay Area. I feel you on the West Coast. But I want you to know God has put us there as revivalists where many people have fled the heart places. There is a remnant of people that are sitting in the graveyard like an Ezekiel 37 moment and we're speaking to what looks like fragmented pieces and we're declaring life of what is over dead. I don't know about you. I believe the Lord is teaching us in this hour. Do not get it twisted on who he is and do not misconstrue delays as denial. Some of you need to be reminded that when God doesn't feel like he comes running, we look at it as God hasn't, hasn't heard my prayers. I've been overlooked. I have not been seen. God doesn't care about me. The number one thing the enemy always wants to do is misconstrue God's character and intention towards you. And in crisis, in times that are unpredictable, come on, friends, we've been in, uh, we've been in some challenging seasons and in places and spaces we've never been. 
We did not have a blueprint or a roadmap as a world for what we just walked through the last few years. There, we were literally figuring it out, and it was a bit clumsy at times, but we, we literally were trying to all figure it out as we went. God forbid, but if it ever happened again, I think we'd all navigate it very differently, right? Good, lesson learned. Let's mature, right? Let's, let's learn from the hard things. Let's become stronger in our faith. Let's, let's become more mature in our, in our response at times. But I, what I love is God uses every hardship. He doesn't bring it per se. He didn't bring the illness on Lazarus' body. But he will use it to show his glory. And so I want to just declare over you, some of you have found yourself in situations you did not think you would be in. You have found yourself in circumstances, and the enemy's number one assignment has been to misconstrue God's heart towards you. I felt like the Lord wanted me to declare and decree over you, God is in route. He has never actually moved away from being in your presence and being in amongst you, within you. And there is always communion and fellowship, even when it feels silent. I just want to break the lie that silence re result is, is a result of absence. His silence is an invitation to lean in deeper. But his silence is never his absence. So I want you to grab a hold of this because we're in a moment in the church where the Lord is inviting us to mature as sons and daughters. There was an invitation to experience God in a different way. See, what I love about God is when he went to go bring resurrection power to Lazarus, what did he do? He removed the mourners. The first thing he did, he was like, y'all out. And why is that so significant? Because they were all there for a funeral. But can I present something just to contemplate, to reflect on in your personal time? Is they were all waiting for him to come to the funeral. The funeral had already taken place. The embalming had already happened, obviously, because Lazarus was in the grave. So Jesus, this could be really offensive if you didn't know Jesus. He didn't show up for the funeral. He didn't show up for the viewing. He didn't show up for any of the protocol. He didn't bring a casserole. Like, he didn't say any nice words of the, you know, celebration of life. Like, he didn't do any of the things. He didn't pray, but he didn't show up. How many times we are ready to end relationship because we're like, you didn't do what I thought you were going to do when you were going to do it. It's done. And what if... We understand we are in a time with God. And I really want you guys to catch this this morning, which I, I really believe you are, which is beautiful, is we cannot base how we have connected with God in this past season because we are truly in a new era in the church. And it's really important for us to understand there is a shift in the way God is going to respond, but it's because it's actually a larger, deeper for his glory at a greater measure. See, Jesus didn't run to the funeral because he had already heard it was unto death. So these people were having a funeral they didn't even need to have. So some of us are wanting Jesus to be at our funeral. And Jesus is like, it's not dead. Why are you grieving? Why are you mourning? Like, it's not dead. And so I want to declare over you what looks dead isn't dead. I want to declare over you the things that feel like they are dormant, forgotten. And you're just like, Jesus, there's no breath left in them. God's like, did I say it was dead? Maybe the world did. Maybe the doctors did. Maybe your friends and families did. Maybe you have. But has God said it's over? Has God said it's dead? If God hasn't said that, I want to declare and decree over you, keep your hope in Jesus. 
Stand in who God is. So Jesus shows up four days. Lazarus is dead four days. Someone say four days. I mean, that body's going to be stinking by this point, right? It's not pretty. And that's when Jesus, if I would have been a disciple, I'm going to be honest. Modern day, I would have been like, dude, little, too little, too late. If I'm going to be honest, bro, like this is like, I feel awkward. Like I'm going to come in behind Jesus four days late. Like I'm not leading the pack on this one. Like, bro, you, you're bold, like showing up after the fact, like, cause I would be thinking like everyone else. And I'd be like, I can't believe he's now showing up. And he's like, cool, walking in. And I'm like, I'd be hiding, right? But what I love about Jesus is Jesus walks in her confidently because he has the word of the Father. What's he modeling to us? That in crisis, rather than take the report of the world, the report of people, you stand on the report of the Lord, and that's how you do not allow your emotional space, place, your mental, your spiritual grit to be shifted within you. It's because when you have the report of the Father, no matter what happens, you're able to say, but God, but you said, but you said, but you said. See, we have a world that has a sway for the catastrophic, for the fear. It wants to bait you. But in this hour, if we've learned anything in the last few years, do not get baited by the spirit of fear for it will make you cower but we are called to be more than conquerors we are called to be the head and not the tail we are called to be victorious and so there's a posture there's a grit that I believe God's bringing to the bride in this hour that when Jesus shows up four days you're just excited because the greater delay simply means greater glory because you're you're, you're not getting a misconstrued on who our God is in the midst of the delays and as Jesus showed up on the fourth day and he says where have you laid him here's what's powerful and I want to just simply bring it in with this point in with this you know Mary and Martha had the exact same conversation with Jesus right they both came to Jesus initially it was Martha she said had you been there my brother wouldn't have died remember she can believe for healing because it's what she's seen they have a conversation Jesus then gives her a lecture he gives her I'm saying that for the sake of illustration but he begins to explain to her that he is resurrection power but when Mary comes what happens she falls at his feet and she says the exact same thing her sister said she said had you been here my brother wouldn't have died but Jesus's response is different to Mary why why so Mary says had you been here my brother wouldn't have died and Jesus response is where have you laid him and she gets Lazarus. So the question is, why does one sister get a lecture and one sister get Lazarus? Right? Why, why does one sister, in a sense, get a lecture for Jesus and the other sister gets resurrection power? Why? Here's the answer. And we're going to end with this. Because this is the model to us in serving a God who's a four-day dead God. Come on, somebody. Nothing's too dead for God, but I want you to grab a hold of it. That if you want to access resurrection power, here is what is modeled to us. The word of God models to us our responses in the midst of crisis. In Luke 10, if you have your Bibles, and I won't spend too much time on this because I want to be sensitive to time. But I want you to understand in Luke 10, and starting in verse 38, it reads this. And this is where the answer comes from answering the question, how did Mary get resurrection power? How did she access that? out of Jesus. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening, someone say listening, to what Jesus was teaching. But Martha was distracted, come on somebody, 
by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sisters left me with the work to do by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said. Now, let's just establish this. When Jesus says your name twice, you in trouble, okay? Like, I just want, Jesus, he says your name twice. You're like, what did I do? Yeah, right, okay. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, let me establish this. It is one thing to welcome Jesus into your home. It is another thing to welcome what he came to do. Martha had opened up her home. This is the first time she had ever met Jesus. So we read John 11 earlier just a moment ago. John 11 happened chronologically after Luke 10. So we're talking about resurrection power. So the resurrection of Lazarus happened after the impartation at the home. Now this is important because Jesus could have gone to any home, correct? Do you think it's by accident that he went to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' home? Of course not. There is always an intentionality with the Lord. There is always very strategic. Why? Because Jesus knew the storm that was about to hit this family in John 11. So he came to impart that he was resurrection power before the storm even came to the family. Are you catching this? So Jesus came with an impartation. He's sitting in the home and he's teaching who he is, that he's resurrection power. But in one translation, it says, Martha, who also sat at the feet of Jesus. We didn't read that translation, but one translation says that she also sat. So let's just picture it this way. Mary and Martha are both sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is teaching about resurrection power. They don't know John 11 is around the corner. They don't know they're going to need to tap on resurrection power. They don't have a grid for resurrection power. But Jesus is in their home depositing the impartation, giving them the anchor and the blue blueprint for what's right around the corner but it says Martha was distracted so she got up from sitting at the feet of Jesus and she began to prepare and do things for him but not be with him we are in a season of the church. Yes, there is much things to do, but we must choose what is greater. We must sit at the feet of Jesus absorbing what he is imparting into us. Now, the portion of text that I just read, it says Mary sat at the feet of Jesus listening. When you look at the original, that word actually means to absorb. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus absorbing resurrection power. She got it. But Martha missed class that day. She wasn't in the place to receive the impartation. So why were the conversations different in John 11? Because Martha was getting a Cliff Notes version of the class that she missed in, in Luke 10. In John 11, God in his kindness through his son Jesus is saying, Martha, do you know who I am? It's everything he taught in Luke 10. But because she had removed herself from the place of absorbing the revelation, she did not have that truth to stand on so he was teaching her in the midst of the crisis rather Martha came with the revelation because she had sat absorbing so what did she do one came like this and one came like this 
She came and she fell at the feet of Jesus. And when she did that, she came and she had absorbed. Jesus did not have to tell her that he was resurrection power. She had already absorbed it and she pulled on it because of what she carried from Luke 10. Are you catching this this morning? There's an impartation in the church right now of sons and daughters that God is saying, you've got to get with me on your face. The beautiful expression of Sunday gatherings, Wednesday gatherings, or whenever it may be of corporate gatherings, that has been so key in the season, and I think that will continue to increase on its importance of our community. But it cannot, and it will not, and should not ever replace that daily absorbing of you and I at the feet of Jesus. For what is around the corner, friends, we do not know. And I don't say this with fear or trepidation. I simply say this in stewardship. I simply say this in a place of preparation. Lord, I don't know what's around the corner, but I know who you are. And Lord, will you impart into me the revelation of who, will you teach me that you're resurrection power and not just healing? I've been looking at you from such a small vantage point. Will you impart into me a greater capacity to understand who you are and the fullness of the kingdom of God? Because I recognize for this hour, we must walk in a deeper place of maturity and revelation of who our God is. For when the fear that has tried to rob the church of her voice, friends, we can't cower again as the church. We cannot cower again. We must walk in a revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus. That only happens when you sit at his feet. Because someone can tell you that he's a resurrection power God. But you, unless you have that revelation within you that's been absorbed, when the crisis comes, I mean, you're going to be running every which way. You're going to be on an emotional roller coaster, and you're going to be fighting for your mental health. Yeah. You know how you guard against all that? You get at the feet of Jesus, and you absorb who he is in this time. Mary chose listening to the Messiah over laboring over a menu. Was Martha doing anything that was wrong? No. Her intention actually was really good. She wanted a nice home and a hospitable experience for Jesus and the disciples. She wanted a good meal. She wanted the sheets to be clean, the towels to be washed, the floors to be clean, like the bathroom to be tidy. Like... What she wanted was honorable and good. There was, it was right what she wanted, but it was the wrong timing. Friends, we have to understand the timing of the Lord and not allowing the pulls of responsibilities to pull us out of the position to absorb what is actually needed. You'll get your stuff done when you come from a place filled up versus running on empty and trying to play catch up. Does this make sense? I'm bringing this word to you because I heard the Lord say you carry resurrection power, but there's a greater capacity of revelation he's going to impart into you as a house, as a church, as a son and a daughter this morning. I'm going to invite the worship team up as I recognize we have another service coming in in a bit. 
You know, every move of God in history begins with an encounter. It's because someone encountered Jesus. And then their encounter, they shared with another person, it became their encounter. And there's this wildfire effect of a move of God that all begins with an encounter. You can't not believe that when Lazarus was resurrected, that didn't cause a revival. Because all the people that had been at the funeral, that had brought the casseroles, that went to the viewing, that said all the nice things, when Lazarus came out of the grave, they saw it with their own eyes. What seemed impossible just became possible. God was no longer this distant God that was four days away that showed up late. Everything got redefined on who he, who he was. Like they saw Jesus in a completely different capacity. Like they saw him from a totally different vantage point. He was no longer God that heals. He was the God that resurrects. There's a deeper place that the Lord wants to take us to this morning. You've been believing for good, godly, biblical things. Me too. But I feel heaven beckoning me, beckoning you. You haven't even scratched the surface on what I'm about to do. So I'm just like, oh, Lord, expand my capacity. Expand my ability to trust him. Because I don't want to wait on God to do the radical, but I'm a stress ball and I'm freaking out and I don't have peace. No, I want to be like Jesus, that I just hear the report of the Father and everything's storming around me. I can feel the pressure of the disciples. You need to go. You should go. This is rude. You're breaking protocol. And Jesus is like, until the Father says I stay in my current assignment. He was unshakable. He, he models to us the posture in the midst of crisis, how to wait on the Father. Friends, there's a deeper place that we are being invited to in this hour to wade and wait. Wade as in get deeper depths of water. There's a deeper vein that I feel in the spirit that's available in the city of New York. Woo. Your worship's gonna sound different. Your, your prayer's gonna sound different. It, it, it's like, I could, I could just feel like, it's almost like it's a birthing room. It's like there's an opening and there's a push in the spirit of God like, oh, I'm doing something all new. We are not in the hour where God is going to repeat himself. We are in the hour where God's gonna do things that are gonna blow our mind that we've heard about in other nations, but we've never heard on the soil in our nation. And God says, you finally got desperate enough and unprofessional enough in the church of America. God didn't call us to be professional. He called us to be desperate. If that's you this morning, I just want you to stand up wherever you're at. You're saying, Jesus, I'm desperate for the more. I want to experience you in the greater capacity, Holy Spirit. Worship team, if you could just begin to declare over us prophetically, whatever that may be. There's an opening. There's a, there's a pushing of boundaries in the spirit this morning. I mean that in the best sense. I just, I just feel like God wants to great 
increase a greater capacity to experience him, to go deeper than you've ever gone. Don't stay in the shallow waters, but taking us to a deeper place of maturity. a picture of Holy Spirit blowing through your workplaces and the Lord is saying those that seem like the hardest of hearts are about to have a heavenly sovereign encounter and the Lord has positioned you. You've even been wondering, there's been some of you going, do I need to transition to a different work spot? It's just been, it's been, it's been a challenge. It's just been a, a hard space and the Lord says, I positioned you there for what's around the corner. I positioned you there to catch the harvest that I'm about to release in your workplace. Like what seems like the hard place, the Lord's actually positioned you to pastor the harvest that's about to happen. And I just hear the Lord says, increase the intercession over the people that seem the least likely to be open to the gospel. As you begin to declare their name, the Lord says the angels are gonna begin to minister and begin to shift an atmosphere around their life. I declare hope. The call of evangelism on this house is increasing. It's always been here, but there's a whole other level that's about to get unleashed. And the Lord says there's going to be a tribe of laid down lovers of evangelists that have been so wrecked with the compassion and the love of God that literally they carry love into the city and it changes atmospheres. There's a shift that's happening 
I just heard the Lord say, I'm increasing your love for this city. You cannot influence what you don't love. You can't impact what you don't love. So if you want a greater love for this city, that you're called to evangelize, that you're called to minister, you're called to bring revival in. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hands. All in this room, I just heard the Lord say, I'm increasing your love for this city because you can't impact and change what you don't radically love. So God, will you pour out your love? Will you pour in a greater measure of your compassion for the broken, for the lost, for the hurting? Increase, increase. Increase, 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 increase in the name of Jesus. Increase, increase, increase in the name of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.